Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save. We're on to week two. It is Tuesday, September 12th. Field Yates, Stefania Bell, and something to your left. Yeah, it's a cone of shame is okay. what that is. It's a cone of shame. For those right. that are listening to the podcast right now, first of all, shout out the OG listener. Second of all, could you describe what is to your left right now? It is a large uh, traffic cone. Mm, interesting. Bright orange yeah. and... Uh, it's got its own mic. It has its own mic. Okay. It does not feel like a particularly verbose cone based yeah, off of our pre-show quiet. conversations. No. And uh, behind the cone is Daniel Dobbs' avatar. Right. So There's no Daniel Dobbs. Let's go ahead and guess. So Daniel Dobbs not here. What do we think the excuse is for Daniel not being here right now? Do we think he had a great week in week one and he's off celebrating his fantasy victories? Do we think that perhaps he started every bangle and instead is like 0 for 19 and is now just shaming himself into oblivion? All what I do know you is think? Dan Campbell's not going to keep him on the roster if he's not showing up to work. Wow. Dan Campbell needs Daniel, jo- Daniel <laughs> Dopp to show up. I was going to say Daniel Jones uh, to show up. But um, I'm being told that perhaps we do have Daniel Dopp somewhere. Uh, Did he hear me? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Good morning, Daniel Dopp. What are you doing? Where are you? What's up, guys? I'm in my house right now. We had a little bit of a problem this morning, Field Yates. So uh, when you say I, uh, a little bit of a problem, explain. Well, so real quickly, I went out to my car this morning, starting a new routine, got up real early, was really excited about it, actually. And I went out to my car, and lo and behold, based on some stuff that had happened last night, I had to come back into the house to grab something after I started my car this morning. Well, guess what? After I started my car, the door shut, and I heard that beep. <laughs> And I got one set of keys to my car, Field. So as I'm going back into the house, I'm thinking to myself, I might have just locked myself out of the car. That might have happened. Right now, car's still on, running in the driveway with the doors locked. Oh, my Ah! gosh. That sounds terrible. Okay, so a couple of thoughts here. Did you consider kicking the the window open because you care enough about the show to be here anyways? You can just just drive with the alarm, right? (laughs) Yes, yeah, no problem with that. No problem with that. I feel really bad because last night, the reason why this happened is last night, it all started with a snowblower field. Let me just say that real quick. Okay. <laughs> it's 85 degrees. Hold There's on now. No, what are we doing talking about oh, a snowblower? I was going to say snowblower. <laughs> now, you, now you're starting to sound yeah. like Matthew, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. come on now. This is where it started. So I was working on Field Yates' snowblower in order to get it ready for winter field. Oh, As you know, we're getting your fault. snowblower good yeah. to go. I mean, it's, Hold uh, all of the oil out of your snowblower as a part of like making sure it's all ready, right? But unfortunately, it spilled all over the garage when Dad and I were working on it. So uh, when you do something like that, gotcha. you've got to put a bunch of kitty litter down in order to soak up all of that oil, right? Okay, mm. so we're almost there, almost done. So Monday night football happens. My dad is changing the oil in the car. And I'm like, Dad, changing the car, changing the oil in the car is not important. Come up and watch this Bills Jets game. So the unbelievable, just incredible man that he is, gets up, stops changing the oil in my car, moves the car into the driveway, not realizing that he was laying in the kitty litter while he was working (laughs) on the car. So now it's all over the seat, front seat of my car field. So I've got to go and get a vacuum to vacuum it all out. You have really just gone too far with the make-believe. This is so Matthew right here. Like literally Matthew (laughs) is probably not watching. I don't even believe you. Matthew was hijacked. No, no, we don't even 
you to see this, Daniel. Like, we're all good. Uh, yeah, we no, tr- no, we no. take you at your okay. The other part I got out of it is that it's either your fault or his father's it's fault. Right. Which it's right. It's really it's not, not very amp- nice of you, Daniel. Clearly my fault. Do you know what uh, Mike Tomlin says about excuses, Daniel? Do you know what he says about them? He says excuses uh, are the tools of the incompetent. Ponder that one while you enjoy the rest of your day off. It must be nice. Fine, and I grind their way here. I had to sit in a makeup chair for like eight minutes earlier to get myself looking pretty for this digital live stream TV thing that we're doing here. Like it's a tough life. I know. It's a tough life, but some of yeah. us continue to pound the pavement every single day so we can make our audience smarter and have some fun while doing it. That's right, Field. I'm sorry I can't be there today. I will promise I will be back tomorrow. And none of this was father's fault. I have an unbelievable dad. Thank you so much, Papa, for changing the oil in my car. You know this is on me. Daniel? I'm just a dummy. Hey, Daniel, you know what, though? If you think about it, if you started walking now to the office from your house, you'd probably be here in plenty of time for the show tomorrow. So we'll for see tomorrow you tomorrow. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be fine. So yeah. Daniel Dobb confirmed back on Wednesday. Uh, more seriously, I hate when this thing happens, when losing your keys or getting your keys locked in the car happens. So good luck to you. The situation sucks. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow, though, buddy. Enjoy. Seriously, enjoy this day. Like, go uh, make something of it. It's actually beautiful here in Connecticut today. So, I don't know, get on your bike and go right around town or something. We need to get you an app, those apps that unlock your car from from outside. Yeah. Mm Daniel and I drive. Right now, I'm actually going to stay so. tuned to this show because I need to hear all of the injury updates that Stefania is about to give. So I'm going to stay right in front of Look my computer you. right Look now. Look at Daniel finding a way to be a true professional while at home and having to watch the show on FaceTime from about, I don't know, 25 minutes away. Daniel, you're the best. Uh, seriously, it sucks. Uh, so hopefully the situation is remedied soon. And we will see you tomorrow, buddy. Looking forward to it already. Yeah, feels just be nice because he wants that snowblower fixed. I know, I really do. I'm not going to lie. I, it was, oh my God, it was so embarrassing asking Daniel to fix this snowblower that, by the way, he let me borrow back in the so past. You, you broke it and then you asked him oh, to fix it. Oh, I broke it. it, correct. No, I don't think it was broken. I think that I just don't do a good enough job of upkeeping this snowblower. Um, right. I can barely keep up with my own kids, That's much Plus a snow you do on snowblowing. Sort of uh, impressive. Well, wow. Thank you. I mean, I don't have a big driveway, so that probably is uh, the easiest part about it. All right. We're going to dive in because uh, we got a lot to get to. And unfortunately, do this we? morning, yes, Did we do. Happen? Yeah, I know. Uh, it sucks. You know what? I thought about this this morning, Stefania. I don't care who you're from, where you're from, who you root for, uh, what you thought was going to happen this season. Today sucks as a football fan because we got news last night that Aaron Rodgers, uh, we got news this morning that what happened last night for Aaron Rodgers was a torn Achilles. Suffered a ruptured Achilles, obviously out for the year. At 39 years old, Stefania, there are already questions about his long-term recovery, but this was one of those where... Uh, I thought Scott Van Pelt made a good, had a good line at halftime. He said, people on Twitter who act like doctors are actually just guessers. However, we did know right away that something looked afoot with Aaron Rodgers. It was a bad night for the Jets quarterback, and his season is now over. Yeah, you know, athletes know when they're hurt. They, they, they know Don't when they are seriously. Don't you think he knows especially, too? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was his behavior when he went down and he stood up and then he just sat back down, like Calmly. looked to the sideline, sat back down, like, I'm just going to wait for the assistants to come over. I was like, oh boy, this is because that's not Aaron Rodgers. We've seen him before when he's been banged up and try and press through something, shake it off. He certainly played her before. Yeah. This was an indication that there was something far more serious and obviously had the help of two uh, different members of medical staff to get to the sideline and then taken by cart in a walking boot and that we, the only thing we ever saw of him after that was being in the cart and in the walking boot. So uh, I agree with you though, field as a fan of the 
game. It was not what it was. It, this was something we were so looking forward to. So Fourth play beyond the, for the injury, Jets offense. Fourth. We just wanted to see what could happen for this team. There was so much excitement, excitement in the stadium. It was Monday Night Football. Like it just took all the air out right at that moment. So obviously, and I'm not ready to have a conversation about Aaron Rodgers' future and whether he'll be back next season. Let's save that for when it's a bit more pertinent. But let's talk about both last night and the fantasy fallout from then. I think it's easier for us to quickly relay what took place for the Jets last night, and then I'll lay out some thoughts on uh, Garrett Wilson specifically going forward, because obviously as the top pass catcher, he's the one that everybody is asking about this morning. But a quick report on the Jets last night. They win this game. An absolutely incredibly gutty effort. Their defense is freaking nasty. Their defense was unbelievable. Oh, they're nasty. They, I mean, they, they made Josh their Allen. defense to thank how many? Three picks? Three picks uh, for uh, Jordan Whitehead. Yep. Four forced turnovers from Josh Allen. More on the Bills in just a bit. But um, Dalvin Cook ends up leading the team in running back snaps. Played 50% of the Jets running back snaps to Vanya. 26 in total. But I think the story for the Jets' backfield was Brees Hall. He was absolutely incredible last night. It was how he looked. Didn't look rusty at all. Uh, didn't yeah. look tentative at all. Things you think about when a guy is coming back from an ACL injury, especially, by the way, a guy who did not play any preseason football. I mean, he was just activated off the pup list late, uh, right around the time that Dalvin Cook signed. Yeah. So that was just his first beginning to mix it up with his own defense, who isn't going to take him to the ground. Yeah. He's not going to have to drag defenders. It's not the same. And we, uh, in the physical therapy world, always talk about return to play as the fi- <coughs> final phase of rehab. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. Um, return to play is the final phase of rehab. And so you expect players to take a little bit yep. to get up to speed. That's normal. What you saw last night, not normal. That was electric. He looked fantastic. Uh, I cared more about I, I care more about looking how a player is running. Um, if they're able to move quickly, if they're running without hesitation, he did all of those things. My only fear, yep. my only fear at this point is that, boy, the temptation is going to be there to load up on Brees Hall. And I thought the Jets did a good job of controlling themselves yep. last night. Uh, just uh, 17 snaps for Brees Hall. So there's sort of like two ways to look at this performance. I think there's a temptation not just for the Jets to want to do more, because by the way, when you don't have Aaron Rodgers, the calculus changes, right? We're not going to throw it probably as much, and we're going to take some of the pressure off of Zach Wilson by just handing the ball off to number 20. The calculus also changes for those of us in the fantasy community, both those of us who want to rank him and also those who have him on their roster and want to play him. So here's how I settle that. A little bit of a week two look ahead here for Brees Hall. Is that obviously he's ranked higher going into this week than he was last week. He played 17 slap snaps last night. Like that's not a big workload at all. That number could jump by 50% and he could still be at like 25 snaps to find you. So you have to ask yourself this question though. In fantasy, you obviously are chasing upside. You're not chasing finishing in the middle. So even if he only plays 25 or 28 or even 30 snaps in this Jets offense against the Cowboys, an awesome defense this week, the upside is so tantalizing for Brees Hall as a runner he had, did have one catch as well last night that he is like a flex consideration now, whereas in week one, it was hard to know exactly whether he would be startable. And by the way, if I told you before the game that Brees Hall would play 17 snaps, you'd probably think to yourself, eh, I'm not quite sure I want right. to be playing him in my fantasy lineup. If you told me that he was going to generate more than 15 fantasy points yeah. in those 17 snaps, 
I would have certainly Think about the remarkable efficiency yeah. of that. Now, a couple of great indicators. Like you mentioned just how awesome he looked. How about this? There is one running back that had at least uh, that has that now has two carries of 20 or more yards this season. It's obviously one weekend. It's Brees Hall happened on his first two carries for a guy coming off of a busted knee. So obviously stock up for Brees Hall after week one. I think the most important part of this, though, more important than whether he sees an increased role in week two is that. And I don't want to make this like, you know, crushing Dalvin Cook because he was fine last night. He wasn't he was bad. He was fine. I think at some point, though, this is not an equal split in the backfield. It's uh, Brees Hall is our guy. He's our alpha. And Dalvin is very much the change of pace player. So if you drafted Brees Hall last night, the big win isn't necessarily for week two, in my opinion. It's for like week eight, nine, 10, 12. Oh, he right. could be, you know, a 25 touch per game or, you know, let's call it 20 touch per game guy. And he could be a top eight running back every single week in our rankings. And here's the thing we've been saying since the preseason, um, I certainly have that. I really was looking to the back half of the season. I think most people drafted Brees Hall with that in mind, yep. like hope everything that you got before the halfway point is icing on the cake. Yeah. But now we're just saying that could potentially shift to even a little bit earlier than week eight. We'll see how it plays out. I just hope that they maintain. First of all, the most important thing after the guy gets on the field is how does he feel the next day? Mm. Today is a very big day in the world of Brees Hall because sure. he has not seen this kind of action. And there's a ton of emotions coupled with the fact that they lost Aaron Rodgers last totally. night. So emotions all over the place. You want to see how does he feel the day after a workload like that? It's a short week for them because they had a Monday night game. So all of these things are factored into how they calculate volume. The same reason you're not ready to say that Brees Hall is going to do too much is the same reason you're not going to say Dalvin Cook's going to be shoved to the wayside. Totally. Not quite, not not yet, at least, right? This yes. might, by, by yes. week I'm eight, I'm talking about it may be this a, week yep, when totally. they come yep. up against the Cowboys. All right. So let's talk about Garrett Wilson here for a second because a lot of people have been texting me this morning. What do I do with Garrett Wilson? What you do is you keep starting him. The, yeah. Unfortunately, though, I mean, this is the reality of going from. Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers and back to Zach Wilson is that you're expecting a season that's more in line with what you saw last year, which was good enough to win offensive rookie of the year. So it's not like if you used a late first round pick or an early second round pick on Garrett Wilson, you're lighting a pick on fire. He's going to be an even better player this year than he was last year. He had a pedestrian night last night, five catches, 34 yards, but one but ridiculous like, touchdown But catch. I think that's what gave you the hope was he basically said, he he told Zach Wilson, like, I, give, give it to me. I'm going to make the play for you. And I don't, if you weren't able to see this, you have to go find the clip because uh, yeah. what he did, it's one thing to go up and make a contested catch. He literally tipped the ball to himself field, yeah. only oh, didn't just tip absurd. it accidentally. He actually turned his palm outward so he was tipping it away from the defender yeah. and back to himself he's all while nasty. he's up in the air. I don't think, I mean, Joe Buck's reaction who said it all. I mean, it was crazy. And if he can do that one time late in the game, um, you look, you don't want him to have to make all his catches that yep. way, but you know that he has the potential to. My question to you, and I was thinking about this this morning when you're like, how do you calculate what you expect from Garrett Wilson? I think the talent makes of course you're starting him yeah. like you said but in terms of what can the ceiling be last year we saw multiple quarterbacks in there yeah. you know he didn't have Zach Wilson the whole time so yes he did it without Aaron Rodgers but we also haven't seen it with Zach Wilson if that's who they end up having for the rest of the season yeah a couple of thoughts here is that Garrett Wilson I think it's going to be Zach Wilson 
yeah, absent, like for now, that's the plan. That okay. Is the plan. Um, they are not going to like, don't prepare for like a <laughs> Philip Rivers on retirement this week or trading for Jameis Winston or something. It's going to be Zach Wilson. Now, if things go really poorly and Zach Wilson did not play well last night, no surprise, the Bills defense is really good. If the Jets, if, if Zach Wills, here's the only way that I could see a change taking place. If the Jets keep winning in spite of Zach Wilson, like if Zach Wilson is playing a lot like he has through the first two plus seasons of his career, but the Jets are five and three and the AFC East remains wide open, I could see something happening. But more, more likely is that if Zach Wilson continues to play poorly, even though they won last night, just look at their schedule. There are no cupcakes on this right, Jets schedule. A, we were talking about problem. that when Aaron Rodgers was going to be under center for the full season. So here's the best way, I think, to look at it is that we're only one weekend. So you yeah. could, I mean, there are people who are going to still draft fantasy leagues going forward. Garrett Wilson would drop to like wide receiver 15 for me. Not a massive bump because he's still going to be the clear cut alpha in this offense. But you were not expecting to ride any wave with Garrett Wilson this year. Have it we, was supposed to be to the moon. Now it's going to be up and down and up yeah. and down. Great catch last night. What are we talking about this morning, though, if Garrett Wilson does not make a circus catch? Right. Four catches, 33 yards, 7.3 fantasy points. Touchdowns catch and he count, and he can make great plays, but obviously the value goes down right now for have we Garrett Wilson. Checked in on Mike Clay. Uh, we have not. Uh, he, he, Wellness check for he, Mike well, Clay. He locked Daniel's keys in his car and himself. So Mike is actually in Daniel's car hiding just right of the uh, of the, the captain's seat on the left side of Daniel's uh, second row there. So, yeah. Uh, let me get to the Bills side of this yes. as well because the Bills obviously played in this game. Josh Allen, brutal start last yeah. night. Uh, four total turnovers. That was terrible, obviously. Uh, but it was not going to be to the detriment of Stephon Diggs. He was masterful. I thought the most important takeaway, I'm not not concerned about Josh Allen at all. He is prone to some goofy games here or there. The Jets defense is absolutely sensational. Josh Allen still carried the ball 36 uh, times for 36 yards. Josh Allen ain't going to have face plant like that. He's going to be, he's my number one ranked quarterback going into week two against the Raiders at home. I think it's going to be a monster bounce oh, he's back gonna, game for him. He's going to make up for it. He was clearly upset with himself. The concern I have is the one, you know, there's these things that Josh Allen has supposedly been working on in the offseason, yep. but one of them is supposed to include not making the completely reckless plays. And like you love the guy and his size and that he will uh, put himself on the line for you, but yeah. you want him to do that when it really matters. I felt like he uh, put himself in harm's way just way too much last night. And th that yeah. is my concern if he's <sighs> on my fantasy yeah. roster. Is like The only thing I'll say is that like, that's what he's been doing for the first right. five and he's years gotten of his away career. With, he's gotten away with it. Um, he's such that a doesn't, freight train. Yeah, doesn't last forever. Okay. The body yeah. remembers all those impacts. But I'm not concerned at all about last night. And I will say this: even though the result was just fine, 10.3 fantasy points, an encouraging start for James Cook. Clearly, the I best back so. in the backfield. He got 12 rushing attempts, 46 yards, and he had six targets. If I told you going into last night, you'd get 18 opportunities for James Cook, you'd sign up for it 100 times out of 100. Yeah, so those are the big Bills the takeaways. Not quite there yet with Dalton Kincaid. Look fine, but this Bills offense obviously was a shell of itself. They draw the Raiders in week two. Those three guys, Allen, Diggs, James Cook, all must starts for this team. All right, let's move now to the injury reports, Stefan. And everything sort of pales in comparison to what took place last night with Aaron Rodgers. But... Prior to that happening, I thought we had ourselves a massive lead on the show, which is Austin Eckler. What the heck's going on there for the Chargers star running back? 
Yeah, so uh, Austin Eckler suffered an ankle injury late in the game. Uh, if you watched him play, he had a couple beautiful runs. I mean, just looked like vintage Austin Eckler. But late in the game, uh, he tweaked his ankle is how they're describing it. You saw him limping a little bit later in the game. Uh, and Joshua Kelly all of a sudden got more run, even though he was already being utilized. But he definitely picked it up late in the game. All Brandon Staley has said thus far, so yeah. people don't be alarmed, is that his status for Wednesday's practice was uncertain. That's what he said. Right. Not his status for this week, nothing. We don't really know other than he may not practice Wednesday. Austin Eckler does not miss games very often. The other thing he's really good at, letting us know. Mm. Austin Eckler yeah. is a huge very champion of fantasy. fantasy football. Every year when there's been a question, he's been banged up. He's made he he's found a way to make sure his fantasy managers know what his status is so you could take comfort in that obviously get insurance but i don't feel like i'm super concerned right okay. now that's great to hear i'll just say that because it's waiver wire tuesday Absolutely. we'll talk about this more joshua kelly a name to know he stepped up for them and played quite a bit in week one obviously eckler dealing with that ankle injury in the second half of that game but Eckler was just so damn good in week one. God, is he so just watching reliable. him? I, 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 yeah. 26.4 fantasy points. He's Second so highest nimble. score in running back. Obviously, Aaron Jones with a big day takes the cake at 26.7. Clarity on J.K. Dobbins, Stefania, and it's not me good. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins confirmed Achilles tear and done for the season. This is this rare combination of ACL, or in his case, ACL multi-ligament knee injury, and then subsequently, within 24 months, an Achilles injury. We've seen this Sucks. for a couple folks before, but if uh, if you're J.K. Dobbins and you're out there and you're looking for a silver lining, let it be that Sterling Shepard, mm. uh, granted, it was not high utilization, sure. but he was out there week one. Yeah. The Giants kept him. He's, the, the notion that like you're done, done. Not necessarily. It's a terrible timing for him because of where he is in contract terminology, be a free agent. A lot of times we see guys coming off Achilles injuries alone. If they're coming into free agency, nobody wants to take a chance. Um, But that's so far off right now. It's just a matter of him getting surgery and getting healthy. Expected to have surgery late this week. We talked about the backs yesterday. More to come on the Ravens backfield as a week two preview continues later on in the week. Jacoby Myers, Stefania, took a nasty hit against the Broncos in week one. Really scary, but he was balling prior to that. Totally. What's going I mean, on? he had an amazing game, had two touchdowns for the team. Did Jacoby yeah. Myers. Third highest scoring wide receiver in fantasy. 29.1 fantasy points. Um, and clearly, like, it, I think we talked earlier this year about was Jacoby Myers going to be a factor? Like, they went and got him. Yeah. They brought him over and they certainly were using him. Uh, scary looking hit, as you mentioned, from Kareem Jackson. He was down, uh, not moving for a bit. He was able to get himself up. Uh, he was able to walk off the field. Now in the concussion protocol, here's what you need to know about the concussion protocol is that it is a nonlinear progression. I yeah. know Field has heard me use that term before, but it's criterion-based. It's not time-based. So people wonder, is there enough time to get back? Really, you can pass through more than one phase in one day, uh, but essentially you're going from having no symptoms at rest to adding in like cardiovascular, working your way back to football activity, and then ultimately you have to get clearance from an independent neurological consultant as well as from the team physician before you can return. That applies to everybody anytime they enter this concussion protocol that's the return to play guideline. So uh, if you hear reference to that protocol or reference to a five day uh, five phase protocol, not five days, five phases, 
that's what it is. So you can apply it to anyone we talk about going forward. Yeah, not the first time that Myers has suffered a concussion. He dealt with one as recently as last year. Hoping for the best there. A Hunter Renfro had 13 snaps total in week one. A guy who's become a forgotten man for the Raiders. Like the, like the day after he signed an extension, it was like the Raiders deciding, you know what? We're going to play him less, even though he's going to make a whole bunch more. So I'm not particularly optimistic that Renfro will play a massive role, but somebody has to step up in his absence. Should be a busy day for Devontae Adams against the Bills on Sunday if Myers is unable to go. Tyra Lockett, this was kind of a sneaky one here, Stefania. Did not seem to register much on Sunday evening. What's going on there? So this is uh, this is what happens when the concussion protocol goes into place during a game. They call it the in-game concussion okay. protocol. So if a player exhibits uh, signs that they may have suffered a head injury, they then are evaluated, initially taken to the blue tent, sometimes taken to the locker room, but they go through a series of tests. If they are cleared, they can be cleared to return to the game. And that is what happened with Tyler Lockett. So he did come back into the game. Now, that doesn't mean they stop watching him. Uh, And they're on high alert for that player, looking very carefully to see if there's any return of any uh, signs that would make them want to pull the player. And also, we know that players can have symptoms a day or even two days after. So monitoring Tyler Luckett, but the fact that he was cleared and went back into the game, good sign. If he's unable to play this week, one thing we know is Seattle. They have the rare wide receiver insurance policy, right? DK Metcalf, obviously the number one, but if there's no Tyler Lockett, insert Jackson Smith and Jigba, the 20th overall pick in the draft. Seemed to catch the ball just fine coming off the wrist surgery. I mean, we saw his hand wrapped, but I thought he was very efficient. You saw him transfer the ball to his non-operative side immediately when he was running with it, but he looked great. Wasn't super busy. Uh, It feels like right now, Stefania, and I, I get it, coming off the Aaron Rodgers injury, everything does seem less significant. But hamstrings are like the bane of the NFL's existence. Oh, so that includes for Aaron been. Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels maybe anecdotal. You have the numbers to support it, I'm sure. But to me, anecdotally, it feels like the worst stretch of hamstring injuries <laughs> that I can recall for fantasy relevant players. You know, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because, you know, the NFL captures data on all these yeah. injuries. And we know that the injury burden is greatest for lower extremity strains. And within that group, hamstring injuries, number one injury burden in the NFL. That means time lost and financial cost. They are trying to figure this out. You know, if people think they're not, there's this is there's a $4 million grant out to a group that's looking at this, you know, both in terms of uh, trying to understand causes, prevention, and uh, smart return to play. But no one has the answer. And until they, this is like the holy grail for the NFL is, can we figure out what to do about hamstring injuries? They've implemented acclimation periods and, you know, everything they've tried to do, and it doesn't matter. I've got more thoughts on that, but we we don't have enough time to hear everything I have to say. Aaron Jones had a hamstring injury. He left the game against the Bears in the third quarter. Came up after a 35-yard 35-yard catch and run where he scored, reached for his hamstring, uh, did not return. Now, you know, if you're looking for little slices of hope, he did jog off the field at the end. This was not a situation where he had to be carted to the locker room. Um, still being evaluated on Monday, so stay tuned. But I, I will tell you, the average missed time, I have some data here. Oh, give it Aver- to me. Average missed time. Um, now, I'm going to preface this with all spectrum of hamstring injuries because they're lumped together, right? You could have a mild one that can be less than a week or more often seven to 10 days or more serious one that is more than a month and up to two months. But the average missed games with a hamstring strain and acute one, uh, meaning just happened fresh 4.3 games. 
Man, 4.3 games. Okay, so not good, obviously, if that is the case for yeah, Aaron I, Jones. I'm not saying that's it. I'm just yep. giving you the yeah, average. Yeah. Yep. So uh, 4.3 is the average. Let's hope that it's zero for Aaron Jones, but obviously a difficult one there. I'm sorry, getting a call from uh, Adam Schefter. That was kind of picture, put your ear antenna oh, up a little bit. Are you on the super duper? No, uh, um, there's, there's nothing. I don't think, I think uh, it's nothing important here. Okay. I, will, I will let him <laughs> yeah. know. Uh, I hope it's nothing important. Watch it be like. Uh, just, you know, you can take a break. Me. I'll just talk. Hey, just like, hey what if he's like, I'm hearing John Elway's unretiring play for the Jets like that would just be classic uh if Aaron Rodgers is out I'm excuse me Aaron Jones is out because you know Aaron Rodgers is out hey they uh, played together before they did yes um AJ Dillon will be a very busy back for the Packers this week the upside's not the same for Aaron for AJ Dillon as it is with Aaron Jones right if Jones is out there even with AJ Dillon we're ranking him as a top you know 12 or so back fringe RB1 even if Aaron Jones is out I still think AJ Dillon would slot in more to like RB 16, 17, 18 for me. And here's the reason why. Just a completely different level of both pass catcher and big play threat. But a capable back. So if you have him on your roster, you probably drafted him as your third running back. He might be your RB2 by week two. Let's talk about Deontay Johnson, Stefania. Did I say hamstrings have been a problem here? Yeah, and yeah, poor bad. Deontay Johnson, um, Adam Schefter, your your friend who's calling you while yeah. we're doing this podcast, uh, did report that he is expected to be sidelined, quote, a few weeks due to this hamstring injury. Uh, we saw it happen when he was tackled on a catch. He had three catches for 48 yards. This was in the third quarter, and then he did not return. I will tell you this. The Steelers have a very um, structured system, the yep. way they evaluate hamstring injuries, and they have done some studies where they have shown correlation between what they see on imaging and what their projected return time is. And they've been shown to be pretty accurate, at least in terms of how they view them and how they manage them. So I would say the fact that they're suggesting that it could be a few weeks means it will be a few weeks. And teams are always looking at trying to bring back a player and mitigating the risk of recurrence because it's such a problem with hamstrings. I told you what the average miss games was for running back. Yeah. What do you think it is for wide receiver? Higher or lower? Higher. Why? Because uh, they have to run more straight line at a high speed. Field. I've been listening after all a these plus. years. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And they're opening up on a start. I mean, all the things that you would think would be provocative for hamstring, the demand of their position it's not surprising that they have more of these injuries and their miss time is slightly longer. Average games missed for wide receiver hovers around 5.5. Okay, so 5.5 for receivers, 4.3 for running backs. Yeah, um, the Steelers, I think this is, again, anecdotal for me and not your words, but I always feel like they have been a pretty conservative team as it pertains to uh, medical timelines as well. And this team has some wide receiver depth. Uh, the the old Undertaker gif is back in play here as uh, Allen Robinson actually <laughs> caught five passes for were, them. If you were going to finally like yeah, give I think Allen so. Ra- Remember they said that they brought him back. They scouted him yeah. when he was coming into the NFL. They like him and they thought they, they brought him in for leadership. Yeah. And, and you know something, Stefania, sometimes when a player's divorced from the contract that he was signed to, it helps you a lot, right? Yeah. Like Allen Robinson when he was making 18 or $15 million per year and struggling was like, Oh God, you know, what a waste of money. He's making 5 million bucks now for the Steelers. He had five catches in week one. Like it's a totally justifiable cost for a guy who was going to probably be wide receiver three for them for the full season. If Deontay Johnson stays healthy, I think he's wide receiver two, sort of like one and a half maybe because George Pickens obviously could be the number one wideout in this offense. But I think a reasonable look or consideration in 12's team or larger leagues. Do you think this bumps up Pat Fryermuth at all? 
Uh, he also got banged up this past. Took a he nasty did, hit. He, yeah. Well, he took that shot to the chest, chest yeah. and I wasn't sure he was going to stay in. Yep. But then we did see him out you there. Know what? So. Barely, like, has such I'm, a minimal role in week one. I'm not going, like, he, he remains where I had him before, which was like usable tight end if you passed on the big dogs. Like, if you got past those first five, he's part of the David and Joku, Dalton Schultz crew, where it's like, you're going to have a couple of weeks where he has one to three catches, maybe several weeks with one to three catches, but there will be a five or eight catch game on occasion for Pat Fryermuth as well. A little bonus. They play Monday night football. They so one, yep. extra one extra day, day rest. To heal up. That's right. Double header in week two on Monday night football, You're not just the man. Steelers and the Browns, but the Panthers and the saints as well. All right. Two guys that missed week one, Stefania, and this is your Tuesday forecast. It is not <laughs> by any stretch. The last note you'll have on these players. Do you have any sense of whether Mark Andrews plays in week two? Yes, I think he will. That's I actually, news. my understanding is that he probably could have gone. Had this been like playoff game, had it been something of you know super significant, he might have been able to push it. But again, the Ravens being smart, looking at the long haul. Um, there's some concerns there, though, because their left tackle is probably going to be out. Their center is going to be out. Uh, yep. So different concerns for the Ravens, but Mark Andrews will be back. No doubt about it that this... Uh, Barring me, a setback. Yeah. I, I, and I yeah, always yeah. put that with comma... Barring a setback should be after everything totally. I say. I think people should bake this in, by the way. Like, I'm, as people have been listening to the show forever or watching it for a long time. They should know this by now. But, like, your job, Stefania, and I, I truly believe this as an injury analyst. Like, my expectation for you when you're sharing your outstanding unparalleled insight is not for you to just nail it every single time. And, like, without certain, without any question, like, what Stefania says is going to 100% bear out. These are humans. Each body recovers differently. The idea is that you have one zillion data points that I have, you know, two of myself uh, that you are comparing these things to. And it should be baked in that, like, if you say something on Tuesday... If something happens on Wednesday or Thursday, a Cooper Cup situation where something mm. sets a player back, like you don't have a crystal ball to predict setbacks. So uh, Andrews did, on Tuesday, I'd yeah. be in Vegas, and I'd be doing a different show. But we had a <laughs> we had a terrible. You can do it in Connecticut now too. Uh, we have a we just had a terrible week one for tight ends uh, between Mark Andrews not playing, Travis Kelsey not playing, T.J. Hawkinson had less than forty receiving yards. Did have eight catches though. Do you know who the highest scoring tight end in week one was? Was it George Kittle? No. It was not. No. Yeah, I'm just saying that no, because should, yeah. I was so happy that yeah, he was healthy yeah, and he played. Yeah. How about this? It was Hunter Henry in week one. Yes. Who was awesome. Hunter right? Henry. Yeah. He got in the end and, zone. Uh, yeah. But uh, not. Yeah, he did. But uh, it was a pretty ugly week for tight ends it on was. the whole. All right. One more here, Stefania, on mm-hmm. the injuries. I'm going to get to the waiver wire here. Yep. Thoughts on Christian Watson, who also missed week one because of? I am string injury. And what do we say with these receivers? It does take a little bit longer. I, I think it's too early to say on him yet. He uh, yesterday told yep. reporters that he's feeling a little bit better, still taking it day to day, but obviously a lot better than last week. That's what he called his chances. I, I say we still need to get him through practice. Didn't practice at all last week going yeah. into week one. So uh, it was pretty clear he was likely not going to play. This week, if he's not back in practice and doing quite a bit, like if he comes back Friday for limited, I'm not feeling great about it. Yeah, and I also like, so they they opted for no IR, which meant they felt like there was a chance within those four weeks, but it's still a chance, right? Right, like if it's week three, that's still two weeks sooner than if they had placed him on IR. So my early sense too is that the Packers might have one more week before they have Christian Watson on the field. All right, let's get to the waiver wire here, Stefania. And of course, every Tuesday, we're going to be giving you as many waiver wire names as we can. And week one's kind of an interesting one every year for a couple of reasons. On the one hand, 
you have players that might have had fool's gold performances in right. week one that you don't want to take the bait and say this is going to happen week after week after week going forward. On the other hand, you also have situations where things that we just hadn't fully accounted for in the preseason are confirmed or at least suspected after week one, and a player might have full season-long value. So what we're going to do here is just rip through a bunch of names. We'll go by position, start at the quarterback spot, and I should note, I will mention if I think a player is like a massive priority waiver wire ad, there is not a player on this week's waiver wire that I would deem such an obvious must add if you're playing in a fab league, which is when mm-hmm. you have a certain amount of money that you can spend blindly and bid that you should be spending half of your fab budget on. Right. That's not the case in week one, but there are some interesting names, including your quarterback, Brock Purdy, who was sensational again. I'm so proud. I mean, just a unbelievable <laughs> Listen, story. I feel like I've been saying since May yeah. that he was doing so well coming off the surgery and that based on the timeline for it, we really could expect him to hit the ground running as long as there were no setbacks in camp. He proved it. Uh, I think everything about the way he was brought along and the volume of work that he had that progressed him really to peak and in in that full return to pre-injury performance form right when the season started, they hit that on the mark. It was really, it's, uh, you know, not to say that because it's my 49ers. I think it was everything that went into it. Tom Gormley, his throwing coach who works out with, who was able to take pre-injury, post-injury, Brock Purdy walked in and did not look rusty. I heard all these people saying there's going to be rust in. I'm just telling you, didn't see any of that in camp, even the tiny bit he played in the preseason. I thought this was as expected from the 49ers point of view. But fantasy production-wise, I have to admit to being a little bit uh, surprised there myself. Yeah, I will say that, and I don't want to mitigate any of his performance on Sunday because it was brilliant. He was so good. And this team you know, them or the Cowboys were the most impressive team yeah. in week one. Uh, there's no two ways about it. It is such a great benefit to have guys like Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle Christian and McCaffrey. Debo Samuel. Like it is set up for him to not have to work that hard to get a ton of yards. So yeah. uh, Purdy is like, um, to me, he's still a reserve unless you're in a super deep league. You had Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and you play in a league where everybody else had already stocked up a backup quarterback. But with the way that he has performed, wouldn't surprise me if, as we get when we get into bye weeks, he's one of the more interesting and usable options exactly amongst quarterbacks. Exactly what you said. The yards after the catch that they average on that team yep. helps give you fantasy points for Brock Purdy without him having to heave the ball down the field. Let's move forward here to some running backs. And I'll start with Kenneth Gainwell, Stefania. I would say this is a priority <laughs> ad. And uh, I got to give credit to some of the beat, report, beat reporters in Philadelphia that told us throughout the preseason it felt like he was more involved than maybe we expected him to be. And here's where I was wrong on Kenneth Gatewell, and I'm not ever going to shy away from things that I get wrong because we get a lot of them wrong in this line of work. It's just the way it goes to find before, out. Before you say that, let's let's give yourself some grace because they had four running backs on oh, the depth chart. It was very, the calculus was very hard, and they brought in two of them who yep. could have been starters in other places or were. Yeah. So it, it, now you can say it. So uh, I thought that a player of his stature would not be a guy that you'd feature in the backfield nearly as much. He's 5'9", 190 pounds, right? Like, I thought that this team, who also signed Rashad Penny and traded for DeAndre Swift, would just lean more on those guys. Penny was inactive in week one. That might change by week two, who knows? But, like, for now, he is number four out of those four backs. But Gamewell carried the ball 14 times. 
He had four targets as well. He's an outstanding pass catcher. So if you have an Eagles running back on your roster not named Kenneth Gainwell, you should be envious of the person who does have Kenneth Gainwell. He should be added this week. I think it's a priority because his role does seem sticky to me. The pass catching was always going to be there. The fact that he got those carries behind an outstanding offensive line, really valuable going forward here. Tyler Algier for the Falcons. I'll just quickly take this one, Stefania. This one, I think, is not a trap in the sense that he's not going to have a role every week. He played five fewer snaps than B. John Robinson, but I think a bit of a trap in the sense that there could be a world in which all the receiving work for the backs goes to B. John Robinson instead of most of it, and that Algier ends up becoming a touchdown-dependent type player because he scored two in week one. Right. He got 18 touches. The numbers could fool you. And Cordero Patterson Cordero, was not playing. Yeah, he wasn't playing, so it just... it. He's a, but Algier's good. Like, he's a good player. He had over 1,000 rushing player. yards last year. He's it's a good offensive line. Used, yeah, this system will, will, will treat him well. I just have a hard time imagining him consistently cracking my top 30 for running. Yeah, backs. I don't think the points here is sustainable. It, it, Two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, like, yeah. Again, Bijan having six catches to me was more important than and Bijan Algier. looks amazing. I mean, he looks just <laughs> absurd. Uh, Kyron Williams for the Rams. Last one here, Stefania. And uh, there are a couple of Rams coming up. Uh, but all of a sudden, I, Cam Akers yeah. feels like his could be maybe. This feels like. Things, the roles could shift. Yeah. You know how we were talking about the Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, you could see the inversion as the season goes along. They've liked Kyron Williams for a while. And we actually saw flashes of this last year. And then there, were, there was all the discussion about how Cam Akers was going to evolve with this team or whether he would even remain with the team. And then Cam Akers shot up in the second half of the season. But I thought Kyron Williams looked good. Yeah. I mean, he 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 looked better than Cam Akers, that's yes. for sure. Akers is so inefficient. 22 carries for 29 yards. Um, the big question with Kyron Williams, though, is no passing game utilization. So it might be, this actually feels like perhaps one of the stay away backfields as opposed to like a must start player in that backfield. But if you want to roster a Rams running back right now, there's a case for both Cam Akers and also Kyron Williams. Let's talk about a real priority, though. Puka Nakua, <laughs> their fifth round pick out of BYU, and just remarkable debut for him. Fifteen targets to find. I love fifteen. Yeah, and did until, you see this coming? Because I didn't. There was so. Here's what I want to say. I did not have Puka Nakua ranked in my top fifty receivers going into the season or for Week One. Owning that right now, the name had been buzzed about a little bit, but there was also talk going into Week One. As trendy as Puka Nakua was, it's going to be Van Jefferson one. And Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby was yeah. super busy. Mm-hmm. And instead, Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell, who Shefty gets major credit for for using him as a long shot, ended up being the two Rams receivers that really balled out. This one, though, for at least the next three weeks, an important ad. Now, it's a really tough matchup. They could come back down to earth in a massive way against your 49ers this Sunday. Uh, 49ers fans will be the first to remind you that they absolutely, like, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan owns the Rams right now. Yeah, they have well, just, that is, yeah, that's it. I mean, they that's have fun. But these in, in division, like just like with the Seahawks, nobody expected, yeah. you know, that to go the way that it did. I would say this. One of the things that Matthew Stafford has shown us is that he's only throwing to who he trusts. And mm. we know how much he trusts Cooper Cup. And I think that's where the rub was on Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, probably being his primary go-to's. But don't you think now with what he saw that they could do with Puka, that to me actually boosts the likelihood that he is going to stay 
uh, in his good graces, and and he'll be looking for him this week. I'll name two more receivers here. First one, Zeke Collins for the Texans. Who had 11 targets yeah, in week one? Them. Yeah, this offense is going to be a work in progress, no doubt about that, but he's a talented player, right? Third round pick out of Michigan a couple of years ago. We've been talking about Nico in each of the past few preseasons. doesn't totally surprise me, especially because they don't have an alpha in that wide receiver room right now. With John Medjie, he's currently banged up Hamstring injury, I believe. Yeah, something yeah. Another, mild. I think it's I another hamstring. Remember what he's coming back um, from, so they're being cautious with they're him. They're going to throw the ball a lot because obviously this team should be playing from behind quite a bit. But Nico, a name to keep on the radar as well. And then Zay Jones. Zay Jones, who actually played the most snaps amongst Jaguars wide receivers in week one, had a brilliant touchdown catch. Seven targets, five receptions, 55 yards, plus the score. 55. Uh, so that's 16 and a half fantasy I, 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 points. I know you skipped over Rashid Shahid, but I picked him up in a bunch of leagues as like a 16th, 15th, 16th round. Sure. And he outperformed a lot of the players who were in my lineup. Yeah. Now, I we don't know how fluky this is because I don't know exactly what that offense is going to look like. Too many pass catchers there. Yeah, I just feel like in that Saints offense, good, not great through the air. Can it really support Chris Olave? plus Michael Thomas, plus Rashid Shahid. And the answer might be that it can't, but it can support Chris Olave and Shahid. That's, that's what I'm keeping where, my eye that, on. And that's exactly I where, I think fan. that's where that's going, by the way. Uh, let's give you a few tight ends. We'll just rip through these guys quickly. Uh, I think the most interesting one is actually Hayden Hurst. And this one goes <laughs> back to the preseason, the offseason, really. Hayden Hurst, seven targets in week one, five catches, 41 yards and a touchdown. He's the safety blanket for, security blanket for Bryce Young. They paid him a lot of money during an offseason in which there were some tight ends who kind of whiffed on the open market. A lot of tight ends settling for a one-year deal. Dalton Schultz, Mike Kosicki amongst them. Three years for Hayden Hurst. Like, real money to be a security blanket for an offense quarterback by a rookie. The number one overall pick, but still a rookie. Found the end zone, threw the ball right away into the stands. Yeah, No DJ Shark last week. They might not have him again this week. They got problems at wide receivers, so Hayden Hurst very interesting. Even if they do have DJ Shark, it's not like anybody in that room really scares you as like a real wide receiver threat. And then I will say lastly, uh, Sam Laporta, who played 57 snaps for the Lions in their week one opener. Looks apart. Really good after the catch. Five receptions, 29 yards. We'll see whether this offense is set up for him to have a bunch of big plays down the field, but he might pop a screen pass here or there that reminds people of why he was such a productive player during his final season at Iowa. We're going to come back in just a moment, and when we do, we're going to discuss some backfields that were complicated or maybe not in week one. (laughs) Stick around for that in just one second. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. As full football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered in the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code FFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code FFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, 
Help is available for profession, for problem gambling by calling 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply. Hey, Field, have you ever dreamed of hitting the road in your very own customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter? Uh, I sure have. How about following college football all season long, hitting all in? the biggest games in college football's most celebrated stadiums? Well, at ESPN, we dream that dream, and with the help of Mercedes-Benz, we made it happen. This year, our very own Jen Lada has teamed with Mercedes-Benz designers to create a road-ready, fully functional, state-of-the-art podcast studio on wheels. The ride is pure Mercedes-Benz with all-wheel drive and the latest driver assistance, safety, and tech. The podcast studio must be seen and heard to be believed. A spacious and chill conversation space with mics, camera, and a mixing board to capture the action. On board, Jen Lada will be interviewing some of the biggest names in college football and points to Mercedes-Benz for always bringing some extra. Out back of the Sprinter, they're innovating, pushing the science of the tailgate, complete with grill, cooler, TV monitors, and more. This is hashtag van life meets the fan life. To get an inside look at how this one-of-a-kind, blow-your-mind collaboration came together, visit mvvans.com slash sprinterlabs. The Mercedes-Benz ESPN College Football Podcast Sprinter coming soon to a game near you. You know what? I saw Jen Latta post a picture of said podcast studio sure pretty cool pretty sweet we might need to get one of those take one on yeah one more here geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car truck motorcycle boat and rv even help with homeowners or renters coverage plus add an easy to use mobile app available 24-hour roadside assistance and more and geico is an easy choice switch today and see all the ways you can save it's easy simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today all right, a couple updates here. Yeah. We're going to try to do these uh, backfields in a jiffy, but beyond that, we'll, we'll skip a couple that we'll save for a different time. Uh, Daniel has gotten into his car. <laughs> Congratulations, Daniel. Uh, he only wasted a quarter of a tank of gas, but uh, he is back in the car. That's good news here. So lame. All right, I will start here, Stefania. I'll yep. start by asking you if you're confused by a backfield or not, and then I'll retort based off of what I saw in week one. Retort. Yes. Retort away. Uh, okay. Washington Commanders. Are you concerned or confused with what you saw in week one? A little. Okay. Yeah, because I think they teased us with the Antonio Gibson thing a little bit in the preseason. Retort. Yeah. Okay. Uh, My thought would be that uh, not super confused. Uh, I think it's worth, like Antonio Gibson kind of got into the doghouse because he fumbled early. Um, If you had told me that one of them would have a catch for seven yards and a touchdown, I would not have guessed Brian Robinson. So not super confused by this backfield now that I think about it a little bit more. Um, But worth noting that uh, the the idea this offseason that Antonio Gibson could have like this massive expanding passing game role did not bear out in week one. They draw the Broncos in week two. So I would think a game in which both teams feel like they can grind it out without having to throw the ball a ton. How about the Bears? Does this backfield confuse you at all? Not really. The only the only confusion I have is from when they signed Deontay Foreman, I thought immediately that his role was going to be bigger. Okay. But as we've progressed through the preseason, I kind of felt like this was the way we were going to go. Khalil Herbert was the guy. 
But we started hearing more and more about Roshan Johnson and actually got a little tip that he was staying out in practice and working with Justin Fields on pass catching and that he was really starting to impress people all around and that they were going to start to give him some run early on, meaning early on in week one. And and we saw it come late in the game. But the idea of getting him out in the field and getting engaged, I, I think it spells things to come. Here's the part that's really interesting to me for the Bears, because if you look at the snap counts from week one, you see, wow, Roshan Johnson played 40 snaps. That's 14 more than Khalil Herbert, <laughs> nearly twice as much as Deontay Foreman. To your point, and as has been pointed out by many others on Twitter, a lot of that came in garbage time. Here's where it gets interesting for me, though. Roshan Johnson can play. He's a mm-hmm. fourth round pick. Yes, he was Bijan's backup in college, but like that's like, I mean, the best running back prospect in five years. Being a backup to Bijan Robinson is not really a slight. It's a starter anywhere else. Right? Yep, exactly. And I wonder, a Bears team that obviously fumbled basically the entire offensive game plan or offensive execution in week one is going to say to itself, maybe not right away. We're not giving up on Khalil Herbert by any stretch, but we don't have a We don't have a choice. We're putting the best players on the field. And I wonder if week one showed them enough from Roshan Johnson in live, his first ever live NFL reps that you just can't quite replicate in the preseason that might increase his volume sooner than later. Mm. Put differently, you should be adding Roshan Johnson right now on waivers if you're in a good spot. I'm not saying he's going to pay off this week, and it may not be until week 10. It may not be at all this season, but it wouldn't totally stun me if at some point Roshan Johnson ends up being the consistent leader in Bears running back touches and snaps per week. So keep an eye on Roshan Johnson in that uh, Bears backfield. We talked about Kenneth Gainwell a little while ago, so we can table that one. How about the Chiefs? Did their backfield snap, uh, backfield uh, surprise you at all? Uh, Yeah, but I feel like that game is a little bit of a throwaway for me because it just, they looked off Mm. to me, especially without Travis Kelsey. Um, I was surprised that we didn't see a little bit more of Isaiah Pacheco and Jerk McKinnon wasn't his usually efficient Self had one catch. Yeah. No targets. Yeah. I mean, no rushes. And that's where he's been the most effective for them in the past. Yeah. Nothing totally stunned me here aside from the passing game utilization for both Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco got four catches, had four catches on Thursday night. Each of those four was designed passing game opportunities. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes is under duress and because it's Mahomes, probably like throws it left-handed behind his right, back right, to right. Pacheco. Instead, it was like a design screen or some sort of route concept that led to Isaiah Pacheco being one of his early reads. Jarek McKinnon had one catch. I was surprised there wasn't more designed utilization for McKinnon in week one. But it bodes well here for Pacheco sort of f- holding on to that like fringe like he's a top 25 play for me at running back because uh, while he did catch the ball a whole bunch more, he had only eight carries in week one. And I think the chiefs bounce back this week, having Chris Jones, having yeah. likely or probably serious. Travis Kelsey probably will help, Travis Kelsey, yeah. but they're playing the Jags. I don't think this is a game where the chiefs are up, you know, 34, six in the, in the fourth quarter. And they're just handing the ball off to Pacheco, you know, 12 times to milk the clock. So still fringe top 25. Makes back. Makes me wonder, go back to like what we thought was going to happen, what they were going to do with Jared McKinnon. Maybe yeah. they're trying to see if they can 
get that role out of Isaiah Pacheco, but it did seem weird in that game. It didn't didn't leave me feeling great. Let's do one more because I want to hear your thoughts on Javante Williams. Then we're mm-hmm. talking about the uh, fantasy focus show league. Uh, Javante Williams, oh, Stefania, one to. of the like just wasn't perfect. Wasn't super dynamic as far as fantasy is concerned. 13 carries for 52 yards, four catches for five yards. So that's not even 10 fantasy points. But just my hat is off to you, Javante Williams, for making it back, holding up for the full game, coming off of a very complicated surgery. It was remarkable. I thought uh, there might be more apprehension. Now, he did have exposure to some preseason action, even though it was very, very tiny amount. He had a few catches couple carries and I think for him that confidence booster he actually articulated that and said that that really helped him and this is universal these athletes it's hard after you have a catastrophic injury like that especially when there's contact involved to go back and subject yourself to contact again knowing that you're coming off now that's all been fixed but could it potentially uh, derail your season you know this is always in the back of their mind until they go through it so I thought for that he looked fantastic Uh, and I think you know, this is a little bit of the Brees Hall thing in that the temptation to use Javante, um, would they actually go up in terms of their utilization? I think that they are going to continue to maintain the role for Samaj P. Ryan, though, as well, because he's useful to them. He's excellent in pass protection. They He provides something different for them. Uh, but Javante Williams working his way back and again, back half of the season, maybe more volume. It would be much more surprising to me if Javante Williams had this backfield totally by himself or largely by himself by midway or three quarters of the way through the season than it would be if the same thing happens in New York with Brees Hall. Right. I yeah. think the likely. Oh, yep. Yeah. So I think and especially if you look role, at how Sean Payton has coached with his running backs before, totally. like I, I think this is, he's going to love the fact he can use them both. The question for fantasy purposes is, can they both be useful to yes. you playing yep. fantasy? Uh, I think for now, Javante Williams still ranks ahead of Samaje. Who's like a late, uh, sorry, a deep league Quasi depri- yeah. desperation flex play. I, That's I, about it. For it was that for me this week, and it worked out just fine. You know what's so, so funny though? This is Samaje. Yeah. In the war room. Yeah. It's so hard. Like we both obviously play in the war room, sixteen team league, and it warps my perception on players' values so much because you know all things being equal, it's definitely one of the leagues that you like to do the best in, right? But then you're sitting there and you're like, it's sixteen teams. Like the right. players that get started in the war room, like. We'll, we'll find like Randall Cobb had zero catches last night and I'm still tempted to start him this week because the other options are so damning. I mean, not, not quite literally, but like, I'm just giving you a sense of who starts in a 16 team league yeah. with two flexes. It gets thin so fast. I think I have Rashid Shahid in that league and I'm worked out well for you. Listen, some of the, the, the deep flyers are the ones who are going to make the difference in that league. All right. So we told okay. you guys we're doing There's a, a uh, fantasy focus show league and uh, we're going to try to keep you up to date on what's going on there. And I don't even like doing doing this because I don't like to take a victory lap after week one, but sure uh, I, I got to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, this friend, shout out to our friends at Trophy Smack, by the way. Uh, go check out you already won uh, the all league. their paraphernalia. I haven't quite won the league yet, but it was a good start. And uh, Liz Loza, if you're out there right now, I am sorry because my team punished in week one. Uh, so the highest scoring team your, in the league. Who your, who well, here's the, here's the crazy part. Give it to me. Here's the crazy part, Stefania. I started Josh Allen and <laughs> Dallas Goddard who got me zero points this week. Uh, Take boy. a look on the screen if you're looking at my entire lineup. And here's the hap- Here's what happened. Poor Liz Loza is like, God dang it. Oh, no wonder you Austin love Austin Eckler, Eckler so much. And Aaron Jones and Brandon Ayuk 
and the Cowboys defense. So uh, in a 12 team league, you could probably subtract the rest of my starters and come close to having had a pretty solid lineup with those four players all scoring at least 26.4 fantasy points. What we are doing in this league is we're doing a fab budget. So all the waivers are going to be subject to uh, fab bids, but also Stefania, we are doing, what do we call this, uh, this scoring? I forget what we had the name of it back in the past where each week you have a head to head matchup and then the top six highest scoring teams to 12 team league also get a win. So you could win your individual matchup, but go one and one for the week, as you can see right here. So there are four teams that are uh, four are two and oh right now. Myself uh, and Daniel amongst them. Yeah. Because again, I got the win oh, oh, head to I, head. Plus, I was a top math. six. I know. Got it. Well, okay. Princeton, you yeah, know, know, whatever. I'm a, you guys a are liberal more arts of a, major. Yeah, yeah I was going to say more of a, you know, you're more of a bookworm than books. a math math nerd. I read uh, books. So yes. So uh, unfortunately, oh, tougher yeah, start I don't for really others. like this graphic. Can we uh, move on from that? On. You know, Dave you know Presley. Do you know? I just want to complain season. about how he beat me, which was he beat me on the Buffalo defense, who really didn't deserve to get that many points last night. But it was so close. He beat me by. Less than three full points. But you saw so we had a couple of people like Liz who had a good week, but uh, so she gets the win for points, but does not get the win head to head. So uh, a fun start Which to the Which is a uh, nice finish. way to do it because how many times do you score a ton of points in your fantasy league, but your the opponent happens to have the week of their lives and you feel like crushed. And here, it's like, second chance, it's like the second chance raffle. Yeah. You get a chance to get a win even yeah. when you didn't get a win. Totally. And it goes both ways. Like, you know, you can have, I had a... St- Dinker start in the league because I went Bengals heavy yep. in a six point passing touchdown league. So Joe Ouch. Burrow's my quarterback, Jamar Chase my first <laughs> round pick. And the guy that I beat, I think we were the two lowest scoring teams in the league. And I feel like the guy who beat me like should be, you know, counting his uh, lucky stars this morning, right? right. Because that's a, that's an ugly win. But you know what? In that league, you just get one win. It's not a two win league. It's not a two game league. So you get one win and he is undefeated. A top, top six team after just one week. No oh, style points in fantasy that's football. Right. Uh, that's right. Uh, we're back tomorrow, Wednesday. We will be diving into week two rankings and obviously any further updates on these injuries. But the big news of the day, Aaron Rodgers done for the season. Just a brutal blow to the Jets and really to football fans everywhere. Hopefully he is back on the field next season. We'll discuss that at a later date. But for Stefania and Daniel, the traffic cone on field, <laughs> we're back on Wednesday. Good luck getting those waiver claims in. Be sure to put in plenty tonight. This thing is so heavy, by the way. I it's know. Like it would pounds. hurt my neck. I didn't want to win on purpose. Oh, that, ah, that makes yeah, more sense now it. when you put it that yeah. way. She's got a smile that'll melt your heart She's always there to lend a helping hand Her fantasy knowledge is just the start Her skills are highly in demand She's our Bay Area lady Out there hustling for us With advice Trust. Bay Area lady, always there to help. She's not a cone, she's your favorite gal. She's to find your best.